The Myths of Selling to the Government If you're using traditional sales techniques to sell to government, you're doing it wrong. The podcast is brought to you by Government Selling Solutions. Government Selling Solutions, selling and marketing to the government for years, quite successfully, thank you. Now, here's Rick. Hello and welcome back. We've talked about pain mapping, figuring out what's hurting and deciding whether you can help. We've talked about listening, about getting a coach or a champion to guide you. All of these things tie into having a specific process for finding out what's really going on. So I went to the master. (laughs) This is my friend, Tony Lanham. Tony and I worked together at a company where he was in charge of corporate sales and I was in charge of government sales. I learned a lot from Tony. He was now with a company called Axiom Sales Kinetics. That's a rather fancy name that spells out ask. It's really as much a buying process as it is a sales process. So in other words, helping figure out and determine from the buyer's perspective their definition of best, what they're looking for, what's going to solve their problem, how they're going to help prevent their problems. We have a consultative model that helps people make very good buying decisions. Now, as you become proficient with the process and you're helping someone make a good decision, the natural progression is you ultimately will sell more. Tony likes to say the sale is really made in qualification, making sure you know what the customer needs and that you can meet the needs. Sound familiar? Tony's company calls them information objectives, and there are nine of them. Number one. Whatever bureaucracy you're calling on or whatever government entity, what's the current state and what are they trying to get to? Number two. Any commonalities, and these could be, of course, person-to-person commonalities, but it could be between your organization and the government that you're calling on. You know, people are going to tend to buy from like-minded people, but also governments and organizations will buy from other companies that support their position in the marketplace. So commonalities was the second one. Number three, evaluators. Who are they? In government, you could have multiple decision makers, right, with multiple levels of influence. You could have people that are internal to the organization. You could have external, like consultants that would be part of the evaluators, but that would be included in that. Four. You'd also want to know for each one of those evaluators, their decision history. Have, have they evaluated these types of products and services before? You know, did they have a good experience? Did they have a bad experience? What's that really like? Number five. You'd also want to know all of the alternatives that that evaluator is considering. And alternatives could be your solution. It could be a completely different project. So it's, in essence, anything that competes for the same time and resources that you're trying to provide. Number six. Of course, if there's alternatives, we'd want to know if there's a favored alternative. Are they leaning in a particular direction? You know, it does us no good to talk about the differences between us and their second favorite alternative. Really, what that evaluator has to do is find meaningful differences or know what the differences are between their favorite alternative and your solution. You know, it's up to them to determine whether or not they're meaningful, of course. Number seven. The next information objective is really, what are they doing today in terms of their current solution? So that'd be kind of broken up into four areas. What, what products do they have? Which companies are they getting it from? How are they being supported? What's their financial model for what they currently have look like? 
And so it's it's not only just what are they doing in those areas, but are there any problems? What's their perception of that? Number eight, decision criteria. Decision criteria is pretty straightforward, right? It's the standards that those evaluators are going to look at to determine which solution is really best. And it would be product criteria, support criteria, company criteria, and of course, how would they evaluate expense? And number nine. And then lastly would be decision stages. This would be where all the events and the timeframes would take place, both from our buyer's perspective, but also for us. And it could be, you know, is this an event-driven decision? Is it a non-event-driven decision? What's the approval process look like? All of the timelines associated with the entire decision. That can take place over months, if not years. In government, you can have a very complex decision process with multiple evaluators, says Tony. You could have a team of people that are just evaluating the technical portion of your product that you're trying to sell. And so for that team, they're just looking at product criteria. Now, that team may or may not have alternatives that they are considering. They may or may not have favored alternatives. So what you have to do in these very complex cells is look at really who all is involved in the decision and then gather as much information as you can from each one of those individual decision makers. So how do you do that? Lots of meetings, right? So it, it's, it is, and that's the beauty of having a template. So it's, it's not often what we don't know that hurts us in a sales opportunity. It's what we don't know that we don't know. So a lot of times we'll talk to these evaluators and we'll capture lots of notes and think we have everything we need to really have a good qualified opportunity. It's not until you measure all of those notes against a common template, really back to the nine information objectives that you realize, hey, I'm, I'm missing some stuff here. I've got a technical team, for example, that's evaluating this and, and I don't really know what criteria they're looking for. Or I don't know if they are considering alternatives, or I don't know if they've ever made decisions like this in the past. You know, you can assume in some areas, and assumptions are great as long as one thing happens, right? You assume correctly. So it is talking to those multiple evaluators and trying to capture as much information as you can. And that's where those relationships, champions, and coaches we've been talking about come into play. They don't necessarily even have to be a part of the decision process, but that champion or coach can help you navigate the waters of a very complex cell to see who has the most influence, how do we find the right decision makers. They can get you information or at least get you introduced to those evaluators. Relationships, and it, you know, it was the second information objective is commonality. So those person-to-person commonalities are obviously extremely important. And we want to do everything we can to build on those commonalities, you know, like mutual interests, activities, hobbies, associations, things like that. It, it, it just makes the conversations easier. However, Tony says that what they see more often than not are transparent techniques to try to build rapport on an artificial basis. You know, if you ask a salesperson, have you ever heard of the icebreaker technique? In other words, where you go into an office and you see something and you begin to talk about it. And, and so every, almost inevitably every salesperson that we ever come in contact has heard of that technique. And then you ask, well, what about your evaluators? Do you think they're meeting with other salespeople? Yeah, of course they are. 
do you think those other salespeople have also heard of the icebreaker technique? Well, of course they have. And, and so by using that technique, you run the risk of coming across as being insincere to try and develop rapport. But, you know, our, our philosophy has always been, if you go in with the mindset of a true consultative partner, in other words, helping those evaluators make the best decision, helping them close gaps in their organization, have meaningful impact on their organization, then you can talk about whatever you want to and build great longstanding relationships. So it's not like you can just show up at the door and say, hey, I'm Tony. I'm your trusted advisor. Oh, Tony. Yeah, see, you got to prove it somehow, right? So, what are some of the ways to prove it? Sharing content that's meaningful for those evaluators, even if, and especially if it's not self-serving to you. Uh, if you can help them solve problems that they may or may not realize they have or prevent problems from happening. It's those kinds of things that will really help build relationships and make you that trusted advisor. We told you. Tony and I agree that we could talk to each other all day, but he's given us a lot to chew on for one day. Tony is with Axiom Sales Kinetics, or ASK. I've been through their trainings and used their processes. They're outstanding. Want to get in touch with them? Well, just ask me at rick at govselling.com, and I'll put you in touch with Tony. Or their website is axiomsaleskinetics.com. We'll have Tony on other episodes, and if there's something in particular you'd like for us to cover on our podcast or our blog post, just drop me a note at rickgovselling.com. Thank you, and thank you, Tony Lanham. Today's episode has been brought to you by Government Selling Solutions. Government Selling Solutions, getting government sold.